0: Welcome to the first episode of We Walk the Earth, a NotaLab original podcast where we will explore the connection between ourselves and our present and talk about how we can flow towards a more rooted, collective, and transcendental future. I'm your host and show producer, Sergio Isauro. If you like the show, please subscribe and share with the people you love. Our first guest is Elías Catán. A regenerative architect dedicated to understanding living systems and applying this knowledge to multiple scale projects from buildings and urban planning to art installations furniture and intelligent design this is we walk the earth thank you for joining us Podcast Adventures started in Mexico City, where the next interview was recorded and where I was born, Ciudad de México, a 27 million people city that was originally founded on top of a lake and many wetlands that housed the capital for the Mexica Empire, Tenochtitlan. On April 20, 2021, I joined Elias Catan on a tour of two very interesting spots he had previously worked at. We met early in the morning to catch a beautiful sunrise on a traditional boat at Xochimilco. Xochimilco, which can be translated as where flowers are grown, is a basin and wetland area that provided the Mexica capital and the later colony settlements with most of its food produce for over 400 years, until the late 1960s. After Xochimilco, we headed to Magdalena River, one of the dozens of rivers and bodies of water that are channeled into underground tubes before reaching the city. The tubed rivers and waterways and Xochimilco's growing pollution represent a small part of the ecological problems the city faces in the present. But they hold some of the keys to understanding the city's relationship with water and the possible solutions to some of the environmental and social issues faced today by one of the biggest cities in the world. The day after the tour, Elias and I went into the studio and recorded the next conversation.
1: Four to the power of three, mm-hmm. cuatro al cubo, mm-hmm. four by four by four. It's the incorporation, right, and of an NGO that's been in development for over 11 years. We were the creators of the picnics together in the river. You know, the picnics in the river came because we wanted to promote the idea of living rivers. That came out of the work we did with Regenesis here and the workshops that came to be. I recently learned it's the first time they've opened up to that type of workshop format. And they mentioned it at the time and I really didn't appreciate the profoundity and deepness and beauty of what we were being led into. See, Regenesisgroup.com. Check them out. Um they have the Regenerative Practitioners course online, planetwide, deep thinkers. <laughs> Where are they based? Mostly Santa Fe, okay. New Mexico. I have to say my favorite regenerate, as they call themselves, Tim Murphy. Tim Murphy is the is one of the first permaculturists, I would guess. He he studied with Bill mullison A text he wrote is in the Bill mullison from a culture design manual. He's one of my favorite humans. We were working projects that wanted to better watersheds. And ultimately, we had a a bottleneck, an obstacle of a client that didn't live or grasp the significance of what we could accomplish with their willingness, be it private or government, more than a couple of those. And in Mexico City, we decided to do it the other way around. It was like, we're wasting all this time learning, not wasting, it was beautiful, right? But then you don't have where to apply what you've learned. And that's really frustrating. So here in Mexico City, I proposed me and Pablo Abumbrada, dear friend, whom brought Tim and me together was, we, we need to do it the other way around. We need to learn about the watershed and then see where we apply what we learn. And between the first and second workshop, I saw the Soul stream. Streams of Consciousness, actually. It's called such a beautiful episode of a PBS documentary narrated by Brad Pitt. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and Morgan Freeman, yeah, some yeah. of them is like, yeah, watch those between one and the other. And they're talking about soul taking second story freeways out and about traffic behaving more like a gas, not like a liquid. Right. So we need to actually go into what's been. Very much in fashion, more than fashion. It, it, it's, it's called a road diet. Okay. You, you see, they say you're trying to fix traffic problems with more roads is like trying to solve your overweight problem with bigger clothes, okay? So we need to make traffic and the desire for private mobility within cities to be really, really restrained by better options. Uh, Mexico City has 50% of trips car trips, private car trips, which only belong to 20% of the population, being less than seven kilometers long. Wow! And we are guilty of this. I'm sometimes guilty of this, right? And, 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 and it's a lot of lack of infrastructure. It's a lot of lack of car culture, right? You're walking around in Seattle and the driver stops like <laughs> no half a block away and it's like, go ahead, please. And Mexico has nine, almost nine thousand deaths a year of people being run over. So that's twenty-two people a day. And it's like, what? You put that on with environmental air quality, which is forty-two thousand deaths a year, premature deaths, neurobiological, cardiovascular, obviously respiratory issues, and 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 you you put that over car accidents, and and I mean, why is isn't there? and i wouldn't call it a war but why isn't there a mobilization about civility in cities about if you spend a lot of your budget on your car why don't you enjoy it take it easy put on some music light up whatever you want to smoke and just relax man <laughs> and 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 there's a frantic thing that's that's seized up during the pandemic obviously but there's this frantic rush and race of the car culture here and and it's this is fed by we're building more roads we're building second story freeways which in and all that i like claudia our current mayor dr claudia scheinbaum but she's continuing with something that we know is of of no relevance in the modern city which is second story freeways for the very few amount of the population this is like permitting restaurants to keep operating with three chain smokers because 3% of the people is what Uses the second story, t- uh, um, like the pay, toll. pay tolls within the cities, right? And we need to be—it's—it's it's the contrary to congestion tax, which is what other cities have controlled their their traffic. And instead of investing, which is like almost ninety percent of transport infrastructure to private mobility, so there's a huge tendency we need to change of of this gray infrastructure, which is car infrastructure, and the idea that machines produce water and not. Not living systems and watersheds and proper infrastructure, green blue infrastructure as we call it today. So it, we are in this NGO in the constant culture creating. We we, we we don't we've approached it a lot from the angle of oh you want to put palm trees over a drainage instead of bringing the river back. You want to put a second story over this. We we counter a proposal with a living river. And that turned into picnics in the river, and that turned into what is the first public wetland in Latin America at least. And the city is ongoing from ten one hectare of of a wetland, which metrics are important and and we've tried to make government make them, so they haven't, but we have <laughs> The wetland is some it came about from something that a concept that I love and I always invite people to, which is citizen science. I made the lab analysis of what that water has. And two years later, we're building wetland on top of that, you know, which is the first river to be tubed. Also, it's a symbolic gesture there in Latin America. And this, this wetland, this space is a one hectare wetland that irrigates almost another hectare of a park and self-irrigates by gravity. It gets it has a little pump that gets water from the river drainage and puts it through gravity through a series of constructed wetlands. Sub-superficial, superficial, and it ends up producing, hopefully, when, when we get the culture back and going, some food. So it's turning a space with four species to 99 species. It's fixating 80 tons of carbon in a hectare, which is considerable. I think of a bamboo forest, I think goes around 130 tons a hectare. A wetland is a very good, it's our best way of treating sewer as well. And and they're beautiful and they don't smell. So yeah. wetlands are one of the big, big things that are moving into cities. Singapore has done them for a while. So we are in this constant push of bringing life back into the cities, no? Hustling to bring, yeah, yeah more persiguiendo life. Persiguiendo la chuleta. La chuleta, <laughs> yeah. Chuleteando.
0: Yeah, like what I like about our little tour yesterday and also what I've, the little that I've dug into like Taller 13 and Cuatro al Cubo and like your work is that you're kind of trying to connect with deeper needs that are not just our immediate human needs. So there's like a needs for an ecosystem or like a, a system overall that we are part of. I really like that. I saw this I don't know if it was the first publication you did. It's like a guide mm. to do infographics and how to understand a territory. And I saw, the, I think it's seven points or nine points. Like the geography, history, spirituality. Hydrology,
1: biology. Exactly.
0: And I really, really, I don't know. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. It's like so nice. It's so nice and it so can sound obvious, but we are not doing it.
1: We're not. It's so obvious and when we're not. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's, it's very clear that when you, when you talk about, I think you say like gray, how do you call it? Gray, gray development. Infra- gray infrastructure. Gray infrastructure, which I guess it's like concrete just over things.
1: It's the opposite. It put a system over it. One of my students in, in the masters I used to teach at in Centro, it closed during COVID. He has one of my favorite quotes. He says, e- Eric, if you're listening, hello. If remembering, I'm translating while I speak here, so you can also say it in Spanish, and we'll. Si recordar es pasar por el corazón, regenerar es pasar por el sistema completo. Okay. If remembering is passing again through your heart, regeneration is passing again and again through the entire system. And yeah, I, I get what you say that about deeper needs, but also I I see them as urgent. I mean, there is nothing that you need more than air, water, food, and relationships. At a point in my life, I uh, recommended by a doctor, my psychedelic therapist, which I love. Um, she said, just start doing memes. So I was telling her about them, she's like, do them. So I started to do some memes. You, you can see them in my Instagram highlights. And I love Olivia Steele's work, and she says, everything you need is inside of you. And I just like to point out, except air, food, <laughs> water, relationships, and bacteria. (laughs) We are indivisible from the entire system, right? And and we really need to understand that. And that is the deeper aspect of things, I think. We are little bacterias, human microorganisms embedded within a spaceship that is circling a hot mess of a star that we love and adore and has built religions and cultures and yoga poses. And we haven't yet realized we are a part of it and we can make it better. And there are so many examples of humans enhancing biodiversity through time. And we really need to change our narrative at the core. I think that is, as as we start to grasp a new narrative, and I haven't done it, I am very much sometimes swimming in, in, in more than, than one narrative. Sometimes I'm worried, but we, we need to be, I think, a little worried because things are collapsing. And this is where urgency for me starts because what we're talking about is water, food, and air. Air quality in Mexico City is still contaminated by burning of fossil fuels. We're no way near as a society to change the fossils in power to stop using fossils. And sometimes I'm at a big loss of what to do about that, you know? And then I want to make it simpler, not deeper. You know, I wanted to make it more... Accessible. accessible, yeah, and I love this meme that goes around. Like, yeah, me here's me and you recycling, and seventy or I don't know how much percent of problems is done by a hundred companies, you know. So, so what are we doing, right? How how can we transform this? How how I'm
0: I'm really curious on how do we connect with these urgent needs from a point of. Positivity and love. I just recently heard this quote saying, like, if you're going to change the planet or, yeah, like, if you're going to change society, the planet or whatever, do it out of love, not out of fear. And, and it's for me, it's like very sometimes uncomfortable spot because urgency brings you, at least for me, it brings me like stress. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is collapsing. Blah, and then I'm stuck there. So, so, like how how
1: well, I think part of it is migrating from a, from a binary perspective, yeah. It's not love and fear, ok. It's love, beauty, food, yeah, air. <laughs> yeah, culture, yeah yeah, music, concerts. I mean, if we haven't linked the pandemic to our lifestyle, I think we're really and simultaneously, there's brilliant people. There's not an interest in people. There's just not. this division that is being sold to us, that it's a binary thing. It's not binary, it's multi-level, multi-strata, multi, multi, a lot of people, I among them would argue multi-dimensional. And we need to start to realize that complexity and and not drown in it, you know? And not drown in like, I'm doing it out of love and urgency and food and chocolate. And (laughs) fun, it can be fun also. And coffee and, you know, I, I love my lifestyle. And I try to have the most sustainable lifestyle I can. I, right? I I try not to eat bad meats. I try not to eat bad animal products. I have. I try to actually consume very few animal products. You know. And I do believe that also veganism is not the answer. We need, as my mentor teacher Satish Kumar in Schumacher College says, we need to move. Have all isms become wasms? He says, vegetarianism, shamanism right and 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 i do believe we need to migrate from the message that love will save us all yes it's a beautiful song and message and meme and thought but you getting off your ass and talking to your local government to put a zebra so that pedestrians aren't killed anymore maybe you're doing that out of love but for me it's just an oversimplification i think we just need to stop fearing complexity and start seeing Multiple perspectives because I want to keep enjoying sunsets, you know, and that's, yeah, my love of the sun. Yeah, it's my love of beauty because of the colors and my love of the moment and maybe of the mezcal or beer we're drinking and sharing with friends. And I don't know. I think I do love bees, but I do also appreciate the functionality of all the foods they'd give us. And I do love food. So maybe it is all out.
0: Yeah, I I really love the idea of stepping out
1: of the opposites. It's not the binary, it's not this or that. It's not life or right, right or left. And it's just a divide and conquer strategy that is just like... Yeah, and you can translate it to anything, to politics, to... to everything. And absolutely. I mean, I love Eisenstein's book and anybody dealing with this issue, I deeply recommend this, uh, The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible. And it is about reconciliation and integrating the opposites. You know, that that's science. Thesis, antithesis, hypothesis, synthesis. <laughs> no, that's how we learn and evolve, you know? It's yeah.
0: I was wondering earlier in your path to where you are right now. Like I imagined you as a little kid or as a teenager and stuff. <laughs> yeah. What spoiled brat. Maybe, what happened? Yeah? yeah?
1: Maybe. Yeah. No, 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 I don't, I don't know. Julia, like, definitely. W- w- do you w- were you? Definitely. Okay. I think I still am. I mean, <laughs> I am born out of privilege, as 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 the saying right now goes. I mean, my dad has always been able of making clothes, and the eleventh commandment, as they say, confeccionarás, so clothes. And I decided to study, you know, in a private university. I loved Dunam, but that was like an hour away from where we live. So I studied in Ibero, which is a very good private university. During my path, and I was talking it over with Sofia, a good friend of mine recently, and I ran. And the beauty of Ibero is that it's a very, or I don't know if it is still, but it definitely was when we studied there, a very diverse environment, you know? It was very developmental. And I ran into a few Lovely weirdos there that took me camping and more and concerts more and in the roads also in Valle de Bravo. By the way, I had the beauty of, of trying mushrooms for the first time. Silocibina, Cubensis. And yeah, for people who haven't tried them, we really need to stop calling them hallucinogenic. They're more like veal dissolving and really like observing the life of interconnectivity and the life that living things have, right? Like the greens. I've never seen green the same again. I've never seen forests again. And after that, I studied with a shaman that did not engage in psychedelics. She was lovely camp guiding, just being in nature, you know, just hanging out in nature and go for fire, (laughs) you know, go for for water. We're going to talk about the animals and how we used to be a part of them. You know? And the shaman as I view it right now was like a ancient ecologist. They knew what was up with the system and they explained it. And that helped me balance it out. I've done therapy, yoga. I tried to do meditation this last year it has been weird and hard. I haven't done a lot, but yeah. And and it's keeping up with that practice that, I don't know, makes frustrations a little more bearable, I guess. Because I've been involved in so many potential city, country-changing projects, and I see them collapse and collapse and collapse. Upward and onward, you know? It's the eternal optimist, in a way. And I do think the sh- a shamanic path, not necessarily a psychedelic path, but a shamanic path does, des- does definitely help out.
0: Yeah, there's this looking at the people that has like, spent a, lo- a long time in a, in a place, and that are truly connected to a place can really give us uh, insights on what the place needs, no, and what we need being in this place. You know, like I, I like the the idea of of being guardian of a land instead of owning a land, which has been like a big, like uh, Western thing that has been taking over the world. And you can really, really see the the differences in in the places, in the ecosystems, in the animals, in the plants of, yeah, like w- where we're trying to impose our things and where we're just like there kind of like working with it and, and protecting it.
1: And claiming property, no? And yeah, as you say, and, and there's a couple of levels to this that I, I, I helps me understand. I mean, on one level, we need to understand living systems and not machine systems. And that's the paradigm that Capra, bandana Shiva... Lynn Margulis, James Lovelock, and all these, I would say, new view on ecology or modern view, contemporary view. Living system understanding. Uh, there's a beautiful movie you can see on YouTube by Capra and his brother Brent called Mindwalk. And and this is this is the paradigm actualization, going from a mechanical perspective on life. The universe is not a machine. Life is not something you can just use and exploit to your benefits. It's a system, and it's it's highly abundant system. Everything we have or have ever had, the planet has made for free. It's ever-changing. Giving. It's in in a constant balance, dynamic balance, a proper ecological principle would be, a, a, a dynamic balance. So what you were referring to, geology and, and and hydrology and cosmology, all of this, it's part of a framework that is what made me fall in love with Regenesis's way of work, which is, called the story of place. And you talk to them at first and they're like shamans. They help you understand how a place has evolved through time. And when you, when you grasp that, you start to grasp all these other nuances that we talk about. You, you, you form an empathy towards your place. You see what it has gone through. We see it as a living being, which newsflash it is. Okay. <laughs> Mexico City is an organism which can be defined by its watershed and the tubes that it brings from adjacent watersheds to have water and where we throw our escretas, our poo too. It's, it's not an easy sight and, and we're causing toxicity. We're causing death instead of life. So if we understand the place as an evolving system, we can maybe help understand what we can gift this place to help it evolve in a better way. I think this is, in essence, a regenerative development we're looking for. And you are going to be changed in that process. So you need to keep reinventing, in a way, what you're doing without, without losing wind. Because it's it's not an easy process. It's not an easy site. And and it's a deep connection. But it's very urgent things that get attended to it when we understand that we can intervene it. As Capra says, we can create meaningful disruptions, which I love the concept. And and how can we create? It's not just about being disruptive. It's about creating a disruption that can add meaning and add biodiversity and add to a place and to people's lives at the end of it. Because if people are not involved, I don't think things go far, no?
0: Yeah, there's this thing about learning I mean, in many different levels, like emotional, in your surroundings, with your relationships. Like, first, you have to learn to look at the shit. And I think we don't want to look at it. We're turning our eyes to other places, staying like in our comfort bubble. We're in a hurry, just trying to like or
1: patch, comfort, patch, patch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, if you look at this literal shit in our rivers and you have this Process of feeling bad about it. Maybe you can get to a point where you're like, okay, like I, I already like grieved this terrible situation, and then what, you know? But you do need this grieving process, like reality check.
1: Yeah, and I love the movie Network. At, at one point, when he realizes, it's like he says, first you get mad. First you get mad. You go to the streets. You take to the streets, and yeah, and then what? Yeah, you, you need to be purposeful. You need to be create participation. You need to help inspire that change is possible. You need to be able to carry on that motivation in yourself and then in others. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I do think we're getting there in, at some levels, I think, in Mexico City. I, I, I was talking this over with a friend the other day. Tulum broke my soul, broke my heart deeply in so many ways. And I've seen different places in the country develop these last, I don't know, 20 years with a more keen eye. And Mexico City has gotten better, you know? I mean, in its own pace, it's gotten better. Mexico City in the last 20 years has gotten better. And it has been NGOs pushing for bikes, activists pushing for bikes, activists pushing for, uh, in our case, wetlands, in our allies' cases, water harvesting. 15 years ago, the government said, water harvesting, pff, that's for hippies, it doesn't work. And, and just as a parenthesis, this is why I deeply believe we need to move past the love narrative, because they see us as hippies. We're talking about water, business development, regenerative micro-industries, resiliency, flood avoidance, soil, <laughs> food... These are important subjects that we need to be addressing. And it's very important we're not viewed as a hippie psychedelic crowd. And we need to be viewed as practical, maybe professional hippies, no? Or hippies that are professional, not professional hippies, you know? So, so this is also what I, why I'm a little bit like, I don't know, taken aback with, with some, with some, yeah. Festival culture hippies. We've talked a little bit about yeah. this. And, and like, I went with to Art With Me in 2019, and Sunrise had hit us in the beach. In, in Tulum, right? In Tulum. Art With Me, Tulum, yeah. 2019. That prepared me for the pandemic in a big way, because I think that's where I... I define it as one of the top three worst moments in my life, you know? With my dad passing, with my dog passing... Mixing a couple, you know, ex girlfriend or something, and I saw the death of the Caribbean. And Tulum. It's like I, I deeply don't understand why you're buying land in the forest and then just take down the forest. You you build say, a building like Polanco, you know. <laughs> and Tulum is like What why don't you go live in Polanco? Why did you watch the Sargasm? Ah, uh, okay. That's my punchline. The, the development is going badly. The hotels are like booming. Uh, you saw the, like the big, big thing in the morning? And the sargassum, at the point I was seeing it, I later learned was one of the worst waves of it hit. And parts of it, I think, got to Charleston and to Africa. <laughs> it's like the way I understand it as an organism. I, I, I always explain Mexico, his city has a permanent diarrhea. We're getting all our water and flooding it and then irrigating soil that then is sent back to us and we eat. That's why it's called Revenge River. And what I saw in the Caribbean, I deeply understood as phlegm. Like congestion. It's like toxic phlegm. And parts of it, I'm told by a biologist, is because of overfishing of certain species like the sea cucumber. They call it the um, gold of the ocean or something like that. Google's sea cucumber. They, like, Watch how. For food or? Disgusting. I, I can't imagine eating it, honestly. And yeah, it's sold for so food. So it's like cheese luxury. Uh, okay. But the bigger part of it, I don't know what I can't. I don't understand the deep complexity of food webs in the ocean, but something that we can address. And I think we should address as seriously as we address addressed the ozone and CFCs is agrochemical, because the big, big, big part of what we understand of sargassum is agrochemicals. You know, we have, and, and research better on this, uh, Kate Raworth and the donut economics, she speaks to it, I think, better than anyone. And we have nine planetary boundaries, which are, some of them are being mapped, and we know how much, like ozone. We mapped that and we solved it. It's the only one we've gotten under check. The others are phosphorus and nitrogen, which are agrochemicals. Air toxicity, which we don't know. Water toxicity, I think, the other one, which we also don't know. How much the planet can hold and regenerate. But we do know that phosphorus and nitrogen are at more than almost four times what we know, what we believe we know that the planet can hold. Four times. So, agrochemicals are very bad for you. For me, for the soil, for the bees, for the mushrooms. Hmm. You know? And and they cause us cancer, you know? Big part of the drop in bee population. So, sargassum is deeply related to that. And and we need to really, really start understanding that, and I don't want to be organic. And, yeah, we need to talk about agroecological practices. We were talking about this in yesterday's trip and and and, re- and really support someone that uses agroecological practices. We don't want industrial organic as Michael Pollan refers to it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's not a hippie thing. It's like a hey, Health. come on, look. Like you like we are getting sick. Our rivers are getting sick. The 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 soil, the sea, yeah. So the agrochemicals go into the watersheds and then end up in the sea and they like Man. mess up the balance there's
1: there's a lot of nutrients Hmm. there's too many
0: okay nutrients so sargasso
1: like kind of it's it's like oh look nutrients and we don't have predators so blooms it's
0: like feeding the like if you were sick in your body and you were giving the bacteria food food. okay
1: you have phlegm yeah do something that gives you more phlegm okay like eat cheese (laughs) that, yeah, very old, (laughs) creamy cheeses, right? Like, yeah. Which
0: I love, but it's hard. It's hard because I've been noticing, like, the sarcasm in my body. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But it's,
0: you know, like, as below, so above. Yep. I, I see these things in my body. And I mean, I, it's not like I see them literally on the planet, but I, I'm like, wow, like it really does make a difference to what I put in my body, and it's hard because like I'm going out and I'm seeing family and friends, and and we're like in this rhythm of of just like like customs. So you're like just there, not even thinking about it, and then then my body collapses. I'm like one week sick, and I'm like, ah, why?
1: Yep. I completely get it. I try not to be a Facebook vegan as a comic concept, (laughs) but, but I do think it's better for my body, definitely. I feel it. And at also some levels, I think we need to choose when we want to choose to eat what we eat. And I tried to be a vegetarian for a while and I ate a lot of quesadillas, right? Like, who doesn't love quesadillas? But that was my food source. That can't be your food source, you know? I mean... Pizza is not a full ingredient. No, it's not a full meal. <laughs> I can't believe we need to le- relearn these things. But again, I grew up in a society where we, we, we uh, here, have a maruchan, right? It's like, I don't know if that qualifies as food, nutrient, or if you should eat it at all. But that's what we're building our food systems on. I deeply sense my body when I eat cheese. And I love cheese. I try to eat old cheeses. Like, I believe Parmesan is, is one of that most agrees with me. And... Um, it's, yeah, um, very little lactose and, you know, because of the bacteria that got involved with it. So I think that, I mean, you need to listen to your body. And I think that's a very important part of being able to participate in this transformation. And I mean, we can't unlink as as we were talking about a little while ago about the pandemic and industrial, industrial farming um, on the animal, right? Industrial animal. I think that's, something we deeply need to stop doing because it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, to have animals, sentient creatures living in bad conditions. And at the same time, I do sometimes enjoy part of a hopefully healthy cow. Mm. Because I I I it's like a, this contradiction maybe. But I do believe going to a full vegan society is not not entirely possible. I don't know if it's entirely healthy, according to one or the other. But I, it, it is a big, a big thing to keep in mind of where and who that meat was grown and lived. And Michael Pollan says it matters what you eat eats too, and that maybe means can we, as a society and the planet, eat good meat once or twice a week? I don't know.
0: We gotta find. We're gonna figure the, it out the, like the sweet spot. A few years ago, like I didn't, I never went fully vegetarian. I wanted to, but I didn't. But then I started to think about how in the past you will not be able, you know, like you're, you cannot walk into a supermarket and get a small charolita of meat, super cheap, and then just have every day or like, I started thinking about like, wow, like to get some meat, you needed to like go out for days, hunt, bring it back, process it. You're going to share it with your village. So it's like a more, or maybe like this big I don't know feast uh, feast or wedding happens, and then you kill one goat for the month, and you know like there's like this there was in many places, I think there was like this even like ceremonial or ritualistic side to like appreciating the life mm-hmm. you're oh, getting yeah. from the from this animal that absolutely is dying for you. We're not there like we are totally detached from these processes
1: mm-hmm. It'd be nice because I think it would imply better lives for us, you know and better life for the ecosystems where they're grown, no? as we were seeing in Magdalena's upper watershed, there's a lot of happy cows there. And I don't know, but the data shows that Silvo you know the salatin rotation type herd management is really good for carbon sequestration. Again, I think it's going to be interesting to get all that industrial agriculture and industrial animal farming into a better relationship with animals and land and again I'm not saying no I love this quote I always use from Star Wars only a Sith deals in absolutes mm. sweet spot don't be Siths. don't be Siths. <laughs> and there are just not only Siths and Jedis you know there's the Mandalorians and there's the Outer Rings and there's like people living in the desert that don't give a rat's ass about your opinion so We really need to be multi-perspective accepting.
0: Now that you're there, I was talking to Laura Beltrán, to Lola. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. A few days ago. She's helping me with with actually the podcast Visual Identity and everything. Love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about science fiction. Mm -hmm. And I I know you're a big science fiction. Love sci-fi, yeah. Yeah. What do you like about it?
1: Where it takes my mind. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I mean... Luis Sosa recently introduced me to this amazing comic, Ascenders and Descenders. It really helps build that multiple perspective, I think. Yuval Noah Harari referred to it as the most important genre. Yeah, it helps you create these different realities, you know? And as a designer, just to see how other people envision the future, I think, is one of the parts I most enjoy about it. I love fantasy, too, you know? I mean, and... And, and to learn that Star Wars is fantasy, that Star Trek is fantasy, you know, and, and then to appreciate like Interstellar or The Expanse, which are more hard sci fi, I think it's.
0: Yeah, we need to think about to imagine this possible future somehow.
1: Yeah. All of it. All of it. Even still not ready to talk about Game of Thrones. But yeah, Littlefinger <laughs> said it. You need to keep all possibilities in your mind. And I think that's what reading sci-fi comics and, and I recently got deep into video games as well, this last pandemic year, again, Luis's fault, he gifted me his old PS4. And I mean, it really helped me go through times, you know, I was a gamer growing up and I, yeah, studied architecture and a lot, a lot, a lot. So going back into gaming is also a very gratifying turn in events in the last year for me because it's so fun you get involved into so beautiful narratives right like last of us which is horrifyingly beautiful right it's just like wow you really need to play revenge from both sides and look at what that gets them you know <laughs> it's one of the best ways i think we could teach kids right now actually with games and get them a little bit out of call of duty and fortnite i would say and nothing in against those really i think if that Pops your cherry, as they say. I think that's great. But I think there are like Horizon Zero Dawn, like thousands years in the future. Have you played that? It's like just biomechanical animals that need water and biology. So they're helping regenerate the planet because of Skynet gone berserk, you know? And the ghost of Tsushima, the beauty of Japanese culture and the samurai defending the island from Mongol invasions, you know? I think that really helps for me. And according to psychologists, I've learned this last year, helps everybody,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah. I mean, it's been there out, like, in the popular media from books that are, like, a 100 years old, like uh, George Orwell, and, you know, like this. Movies, you know, The Matrix, you know, like so, so many...
1: It's, it's nice. The 3D printer that got invented because of Terminator 2. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. There's a 3D carbon 3D or something like that that inspired the guy as how he saw the T-1000. I don't know how it's called or the T, the new one, the Mercury guy that just like emerged. So he invented a 3D printer that rises a form out of a puddle and it's a hundred times faster. And you can, yeah, you can, it's too expensive to buy, but you can lease you send them your... A couple of years ago. No, you, they design. lease you a machine. Oh, okay. They can lease you a machine, last I checked. I mean, and if you're into 3D printing, I love 3D printing. We, we've experimented with Shapeways a lot. If you go, go into Shapeways and we have a, some of the things we've designed in jewelry and because of Burning Man. What's Shapeways? Like a- shapeways is a platform, a shop. You can have your shop, but you can also just upload your things and they send them to you. From the future, you get it. It's like <laughs> so, you get an email. Just something is on the way from the future to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's 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 why we got and because of Burning Man, the, the the fire drop that we wanted to design that never got traction took us to design jewelry and to design ashlotles, and that took us to to the actual art car, which was also such a fun thing to just make. You know, I I love I love the festival culture because it just invites you to make and create and have fun even if it's hard because it's hard just have fun and go through the hard the hard part is not going to be fun but you go through the hard part and then it's fun again and then you get there and then you refine that's the part of of the culture i really miss you know
0: yeah i read this thing about festivals and not just like modern contemporary parties concerts everything but like from festivals that are thousands of years old like in india or something the important thing yeah i mean the the festival day or week is like the climax of the thing but the important thing is that the community that gets created when the festival is being built Mm. i really love that because it makes so much sense
1: maybe we could make our xochimilco yeah 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 adopt a chinampa yeah yeah adopt a chinampa let's adopt a chinampa start to grow food support families and then share what we make in the festival, hmm. right? That's something uh, with the Burning Man Axel Camp we've talked about. Yeah, let's make it, you know? That energy and that thing is, I think, it's what I want to bring into cities a lot more, you know? Well, how can we use Mexico City as Black Rock, as we use Black Rock City, hmm. you know? And then I think, and we've, I've later learned that we've kind of done it, you know? The wetland wouldn't be there without the picnics in the river, And that's a festival-type happening, flash mob-type thing, you know? The restaurants and how they're out on the street right now, that came about because of parking day and people saying, too much cars, let's take away one, put a little park there, you know?
0: So... At the end, we,
1: as the
0: people, we are like the big pulling force. We have just to realize it, No, Like society is like the spark. Uh, And then governments, big projects follow follow. what we want.
1: But we want to first think about it and ask for it and go do the work. Absolutely. It was mentioned during the first workshop. It's like, we need to invite government. And it's like, Ben was like, no, he's Yoda. I call him, yeah, he's like a Yoda, Ben Yoda or something. Uh, He says, no, we will go there and they will follow us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And it's hard because we, we also need to push them. Or, or we feel the need. I feel the need to push them, but, but, but we need to generate. And this is my personal last two years. Maybe been trying to move past the pushing and more towards the attracting. I think that's yeah. that's one of the the key things. Not to push, but to mm-hmm. attract. Yeah. And, and and how can we generate that as a society for things that. Government and big corporations need to get involved eventually, but but we need to generate something with enough appeal that it's attractive to them and it's not, Greenpeace has evolved a lot through them. I don't want to put them in the spot for this, but not as confrontational as they used to be. I think Greenpeace is doing wonderful things right now, especially in Mexico. And they're themselves moving from that confrontational way of doing activism. We need to look to integrate in any and all ways that we can. And we need to move beyond labels in a big way too, right? And that's why like being labeled as a, as, a, as a hippie or idealist or activist or this is for life, you know? I mean, we really need to understand that us participating and, and using a more, I, I'm very guilty of this. I use a very sometimes ugh, convoluted academic language. You know, we need to be, Not as simple and binary as love and fear, right? But again, a sweet spot of where we can really engage people that are interested. Because again, I think there are so many people that are there, ready to do, ready to act, but towards what or for what, right? Yeah, it's a process, but it's a process. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. The next 10 years. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I I I was talking to a friend about this, you know, like how we felt about the like the near not so near future, like the next 10, 20 years, like yeah. how the world is feeling right now with the pandemic, with all the all the things that, you know, like the whole spectrum of things and we were talking about like we meeting in this spot of wow, like I have this weird like anxiousness, like fear, not like super like a lot of fear, but also it's this feeling is also creating excitement and like looking forward for the opportunities and mm. like, you know, like really like, hey, what, what can I do? Where, where is it going? Like mm. really curious about like, where are we taking it now that we are realizing we're. We've been blind driving this boat for <laughs> for a long time.
1: I get you. I, uh, I'm sometimes fearful. But I don't think my feeling is fear. I think mm. it's. I'm very nervous. Yeah, like uneasiness. I'm very anxious. At some point, I'm very anxious. Yeah, I was having a beautiful yeah person talking about regenerating things in Peru, and she's so inspiring and wonderful. And and I was like, well, I'm worried. People don't know how to put on a face mask. Like. People can't go on the proper street way, you know. Like yeah,
0: people are learning to wash their hands now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are learning to eat. Yeah. What you need to drink water, right? It's like waking up from the, the idiocracy at some levels. And watch that movie. It's it, it's 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 so fucking sadly true. Uh, we're irrigating with electrolytes, mm. right? And and we're not realizing that we do have enough water if we managed it correctly. We do have enough water and we would have enough water to distribute it equitably and not be the assholes the government of Israel is with Gaza, right? And not be the assholes the government of Mexico is with the people in the eastern part of the city. I mean, if you want to cry and be mad, remind me to show you the video of, of the network water that Iztapalapa gets. We have Gaza right here in Mexico City, you know? So... How can we not be appalled by this? How can... I don't know. That really worries me. And I think it's worry. Not mm. fear, maybe. Yeah. It's just I'm worried of how we're going to get through it. I know we're going to get through it. Right? Like that's, that's my eternal optimist at some point. I know we're going to get through it. But this next, this next batch, I think, will be tricky see and we were talking about ministry of the future i I deeply invite people to read that because it gets you into a state of 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 what stefan harding and schumacher used to say or says love the stefan deeply i know he's deeply hopeful he has a new book coming out but he says if not if you're not worried you're not seeing the right data and Ministry of the Future helps to paint a, a novel and a narrative into what a heat wave in India would look like, or a heat wave in Arizona. Or why does do we need a, a heat wave to happen in our own backyard to realize that this is a global thing that we need to address in a better way? I hope the pandemic really gets us out from the other end, more collaborative, not more realizing our interdependence. Like, I, I know how... Mexico is getting vaccines from all over the world, right? And seeing a lot of people work for that. And and at the same time, I see the government being led by fossils in terms of energy and, and the, uh, right? I mean, agroecology is like, they fired the environmental secretary that was leading it. I was so much more hopeful for our administration, you know? So, I don't know. It, it's It's navigating all this uncertainty. I'm blabbing, but I think... We're gonna get through it, yeah, it's gonna be hard, but uh, we're gonna get through it.
0: It's gonna be hard, but I mean, now I'm thinking that we humans are survivors, and we need to change the paradigm like to survive, so yeah. we are we like have no other option
1: a little bit of Darwin's premise there, maybe I don't know. I mean, we need these catastrophes to to realize we need these like. In our own bodies, like I learned to take care of myself after hepatitis. got hepatitis at 29, you know, and I'm still learning to take care of myself. And that's something we need to realize. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm done. It's a process and we need to get involved. And the more committed and involved you are, the easier or not easier. I don't want to say easier. Maybe it never gets easy, but I would definitely say the more enjoyable. Our future would be more enjoyable with bees around. And clean water.
0: Yeah, It's funny, like with the, just with the example of the pandemic, now I'm, I mean, I know there's a long way to go, but like now I'm, I'm starting to hear from my older generation family members and friends that like, they're finally saying like, ah, we're missing out the planet. We're doing, I'm like, wow, like, you yeah. know, it, it took a pandemic for us to, to start talking about this, but it's, I mean, it's a bright thing.
1: Yeah, I think people are realizing systems and interdependency and exponential graphs and, you know, things that people that have been involved with systems and ecology and and all of this for, for a little longer, you know. So I do think it's helped transform a lot more people that would have been transformed in this, this last year. No, definitely. Most definitely. It's a question of keep expanding. It's a question of keep prototyping. It's a question of keep f- fucking up. You know, it's a question of oh, look, I planted bamboo there and it didn't work, so now I'm gonna plant something else. I don't know. I mean, it's just a question of making, prototyping, refining, and I love what we're involved right now. You know, trying to to put what we've learned in design and learning about living systems and activating ideas with different allies within the city into into an app, into a digital. Integrating maybe even AI that can help us be better urban dwellers. You know, I think that's a big part of the equation. Learning to be better citizens, at least within cities and urban environments. I think people that work the land are further along. They've realized climate change far before us, you know. And and getting people that work the land to change to more biodiverse you know, like life-enhancing things, I, th- I I do believe is a lot easier. It's just to think of getting the big the big fossils out of the way. That's right now, maybe planet-wide, maybe just in Mexico. But how can we get the fossils out of the way? And I'm not just talking about fuels. It's worrisome to see our energetic policy completely towards fossils. Like they even blatantly deny clean energy. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, yeah. We need nothing short of a revolution or a very skilled Mossad squad. I always say is like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would need to happen for us to declare a climate emergency in Mexico. That's a big question we've been playing. Can we declare a climate emergency as individuals and have that move along? Do we get the conservative parties to read Laudato Si, the Pope's encyclical to say, hey, buddy, Your Pope is talking about this. Could we apply it here? No. How can we get the kids involved to actually sue the government? I don't know. These are things that go around in my head and ways that we can activate things. If anybody wants to sue the government, please. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know. Help us. (laughs) We need to get it together. I mean, it's it's worth mentioning the... um, were you here for Chapultepec debacle? The cultural center, second story over the street, cultural center that was sold to the Mexico City inhabitants as a cultural center, but was actually a commercial center. like I'm Chapultepec. On. Yeah, Chapultepec. The avenue that crosses behind Reforma, right? They were doing just like a very stupid, speculative development over the street. Over a public street with shops. And it got to this point where it had even nine stories with shops. And Mancera, the last government, wanted, and the stupid promoter, Simon Levy, wanted to promote it as a cultural center. That got people in hipster land, as we say, really pissed. Intellectuals and so on. Cuauhtémoc holds like 7% of the Mexican economy, by the way. 7% 7% just in Cuauhtémoc, which is Centro Histórico, no, Condesa, Roma, Juárez. It's, it's a big part of the Mexican economy, even if 7% is over-exaggerated by the Cuauhtémoc delegation. But, well, so they tried to do the second story freeway. And since it's in our backyard, I'm involved in things in Xochimilco and across the country. You know this, but for people to have it be in their backyard, they really got involved. I mean, I helped make a video with Super Civicos about how it was all a farce. Other people helped make a competition of what Chapultepec would look like, have it be designed with someone smart, (laughs) not by the stupid architect that proposed that, which is like illegal. How can you build a mall over a street, you know? And, but they were serious about it. Government was serious about it. They moved into a public consultation other other activists organized a march. We created a hashtag, did videos. And a big part of it, what we did there was sue. I helped sign and get people to sign a lot of them. We we submitted because a, a, a very good lawyer, Ismael, was there and helped put his office to it. So we put 16 demandas, colectivas, amparos. To, to the government? Towards to the, the, the government. Okay. I mean, what the second story in Xochimilco has right now, and part of it is stopped, but as you saw we saw yesterday, part of it was not. The amparos, the it's like a class, type of class action law, lawsuit that is enacted. So so we signed and we that with the consultation, with the March, with the projects, with the people involved, with the videos, with everything helped stop it. You know? And I am not a fan of stopping only. I think we need to stop doing bad things and start doing good things. So this is things we need to realize. If we are organized, if we are purposeful, if we are creative, we get money that is funneled towards stupid things, fossil things, life-inhibiting, de- degenerative things, we would also say, into life-enhancing things. And I do not say this just as a blank meme bit of of words. If what you are doing right now is not producing better life for life, biodiversity, water, air, people, and you're actually just part of an extractive economy, we need to talk about how to transition. You know, we need to just stop about Extractive economies and talk about generative, regenerative economies that do produce a multiple of things, not just wealth for the owners. You know, all industries need to be rethought almost all industries. So we're talking about architecture, urbanism, government, development, green architecture. Yeah, maybe they're the big bulk of it, you know. But but it's a system. It's a system. We, yeah. we need to make a change. And we're going to make a change through, again, multiple different ways. Occupies, tactical things. But mostly, <laughs> what do they say? The world doesn't change with your opinion. Mm. Action. It changes with your action. And it changes with you stop buying shitty things. Cheap things. Okay? And again, yes, we do need to make agricultural and, and healthy habits available to all, because that's a big part of it, you know? William Gibson says in his, I love this quote, the future is here, but it's not widely distributed. You know, we, we know, we just need to make it widely available. And this, a big part of this is subsidies. There are trillions of subsidies worldwide that go to fossil industries. From cargo to milit, well, not even going to go into the military, right? But just energy. It's $5 trillion, I think it's yearly. I don't know. Please correct us. I mean, that's enough to make how many watersheds clean, you know? I mean, it's, it's not a question of we don't have money for your hippie ideas or your idealistic, utopic, whatever. It's, we need to get money out of things that are bad into things that are good. And what is good is water, food, air, If so, or people. If, if you're damaging some of that, you're in the wrong business. Go be a whistleblower, <laughs> you know? I don't know, be an activist, write a paper, become CEO, transform it. I think there's a big role there for micro and medium industries as well. We do need to make those big ones change, but how?
0: Yeah, there's a whole spectrum. I really like the, it has helped me with my own, you know, like kind of improving day by day a bit, uh, just a little bit, but like finding my place also in this like weave uh, of what's happening. You know, like if I'm thinking about very, very, very big things that I may not know about, I may get frustrated, but also if I just think about the little things, I may not achieve what I can. So it's like finding my place and taking action in it.
1: As Marie says, it's a dance. Hmm. You know, it's this dance of going from one part to the other part, and not going to your extremes. Hmm. You know, like staying in the sweet spot, this the golden section spot, you know? You're there surfing the middle, from one end to the your middle, to the other end of your middle, and you're surfing it. And Dancing it, whatever metaphor better suits your yeah,
0: yeah. Your abilities. I, I think it what like a nice thing is that when we like when we get to hear the music and dance to it, mm. we finally taste taste it and then we're like, ah nice. And maybe like next day you go out of it and then whatever, but you already tasted that like sweet spot.
1: Mm. Once you realize how how big of an impact you and some group of people that your share, your tribe we can say actually can make I think that's that's definitely the formula, get together with people that you can co-create things with hmm. and yeah hopefully you enjoy most of it even with worries, frustrations fears and yeah, that, uncertainties that's, that's, human that's always going to be there yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And, and not be paralyzed by it just yeah, make it, prototype it Manifested. Keep and, on walking. And yeah, it's a dance, it's a surf, but yeah, it, I, what I like to do most is walk.
0: That was Elias Catan. If you wish to find out more about his work and ideas, go to the show notes of this episode and dig in. You will for sure find something that will inspire you. With the intention to add an extra splash of magic and beauty to the show, we decided to join forces with our friend Virginia Villar to create this next section we called Poetry Forest, where we will select a poem to read to you at the end of each episode. Today's poem is untitled and was written by Virginia herself. Yesterday it rained. It hadn't in decades. Everything was dry, semi-dead, emotions desiccated by the scorching sun. There was no belief in living. The moon was always shining, it never turned dark. No more cycles, cursed in a future of permanence, control, no surprises. Will the robots take over? Will they be able to create like we do? And what is human?
1: Empathy, compassion, Love, thank God it rained. Wash, wash, wash. Will
0: anyone remember the in-between despair and rain, darkness and light, dancing and crying? That's where hope lives, in the spaces between. Walk the Earth is a Autolab original podcast and is produced by me, Sergio Isauro. The music from this episode was produced by Tejedor. Editing by Miguel Andrade. Mixing by Aldo Leiva. Executive production by Jorge González. Poetry Forest is made in collaboration with Virginia Villar. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with people you love